Welcome to The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and this is your oasis for strengthening your mental and emotional fitness, no matter what life tosses your way. I am so excited you're here. Just like you, I wear many hats. I'm a former dentist turned author and serial entrepreneur, currently a mom of two, and a recovering perfectionist. Every week, we'll navigate brave conversations to support your evolution at every season and stage of your life. Raw and unfiltered, we'll explore all the feels as we unpack life's unpredictable moments, from the playful to the painful, the magical and the messy, and everything in between this epic human experience. You ready? Let's dive in. Hello there, Brave Table fam. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Brave Table. If you are brand new, I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and welcome. You have arrived. You have landed here. This is your destination, your oasis to be just a little bit more brave, to have more brave conversations, and to support you in this evolution of whatever you are going through at the moment. And today we have a very, very special topic, and this is really all around mamas in the workplace. And I was so blown away by this conversation, and I'm so excited to bring this for you to the brave table because many of you are either moms, many of you are either you've you've seen your moms and how literally they've done so much, but also the other side to this story. And today I'm bringing a woman who has literally spent more than a decade fighting for women and girls, economic empowerment, and now she's the advocate for closing the gender gap in women. She is Reshma Sajani, the founder of Girls Who Code and the Marshall Plan for Moms. And she's a best-selling author of the book, Brave Not Perfect, which I absolutely loved that book. And not only that, she just came out with her newest book. It's called Pay Up, The Future of Women in Work and Why It's Different Than You Think. It's literally this urgent call to upend a system that she says is rigged against women. And I didn't know a lot of the facts when she was pointing a lot of this out to literally change the systems at the top in our government. Now, a little bit about Reshma's background. She ran for Congress back in the day before she founded Girls Who Code. And she talks a lot about, you know, how things definitely shifted when she became a mom. In in the first chapter of the book, she talks about how she screwed up. And she was like, I was here, you know, teaching women in my companies to lean in and be that girl boss and work really hard until, well, COVID hit. And then we were all at home. And guess who was getting super exhausted, <laughs> falling flat on our faces, trying to do everything for everybody? We were the working moms were. And I want to salute you working mamas who I know many of you are in our community and many of you who are just arriving here. We have communities that support mental health for startup founders and new founders essentially who are building different uh, wellness-based practices. And 
it's real. Like I took many of you on this journey, you know, the last couple of years when even myself being a mom of, I was pregnant at the time with our second, but we also had a toddler running around in the house and we were living in Los Angeles at the time. And it was a scary place. You guys, it was, it was scary because we had to do everything and be everything to everyone. And, you know, we heard from so many of you in the community that, oh my gosh, I can't concentrate. I can't do anything that's related to what I want to do, my passion, my purpose. And there wasn't this bravery to stand up and have those brave conversations within the household because there was so much tension because somebody had to work. And of course, if it wasn't going to be you, then it was obviously going to be your partner. And Reshma, we bring up a lot of these points because for a lot of you ambitious women, you know, she says that in the very first chapter of her book that this was not the lean-in concept that we needed to be talking about. It wasn't lean in and forget your families. It was like, okay, we have this whole 360 full-bodied approach of how do we integrate, you know, the motherhood aspects. And she's been, you know, championing this message and literally took the time during COVID because she was so fed up and wrote this book, Pay Up which just came out this week and she was already on Good Morning America. So proud of her. She was covered in the New York Times, the Financial Times, the Wall Street Journal, Oprah Daily, and is so passionate about bringing this to the forefront because she truly believes that in order to change the conversation, to change the narrative, we have to change the structures that is literally run by the patriarchy at the top. The men are are running the show and it's not working to our benefit. How many of you listening to this right now have like a paid leave structure or even have childcare incentives so that it helps you get childcare when you are at the office? Or how many of you as business owners even have this as a setup for your team members? This conversation, I'm so excited for you guys to to dig in because there's, there's so many elements that we living in our bubble of talking about you know, living your best life. And a lot of it has to deal with mindset. But Reshma actually believe, you know, she just points out that she's like, you know what, how many of us couldn't even do that self-care or that meditation when we were in the thickness and the throes of being in a home with our kids for day after day. And some of you listening to this recording right now around the world are in our community are still facing the challenges of childcare because daycares are closed, schools are closed, people are still, you know, zooming online, which I think is just mind-boggling for me. And how are you able to work on the things that light you up? How are you even able to work on your businesses? We know so many in our community that had to literally shelf their business endeavors for the last few years because all they could do is is focus on their kids. They didn't know the right tools or the right conversation to have with their loved one. And a lot of times it was one or the other. So their passions, you know, had to, had to give, they had to give that up. And that's why I'm just so excited for you all to listen to this conversation with Reshma. And some of the nuggets that you're going to experience within this episode is how we talk about the Marshall Plan for moms. She's been an advocate of this and not just to bring out the nuances within the pay gaps with 
men and women, but mothers and how there's this culture of mom shaming, right? Where a lot of times you'll see this online and the moms are, you know, you know, showing the highlight reel of their life and dressing their kids in cute little clothes. And, and we're not really showing the reality of the difficulties that moms are struggling with, where Reshma was literally on the ground and advocating for a lot of these moms who didn't have the support. Like, we, we talked about the privilege that she and I have, that we are able to have childcare. And for a lot of companies, they don't extend that sort of incentive. And so, and that's kind of what, you know, her book really champions and what she's going into legislature uh, that's in the current administration to be passed to have this sort of system where it's more balanced for women. We also talk about in order for you to be part of the conversation, you can take action as well. You can change the structure in your leadership just by having the conversations with the people that run your organization or your business? Do they have incentives for paternity leave? Do they have incentives for you to take time off, flexible work schedule? Is it a detriment that they find out that you are a mom or you're expecting? We talk about the nitty gritty of, oh my gosh, having to hide that you are pregnant up until the very last day of when you're like hiding that you're, you know, starting to show. But why does that even have to be the case? And not only that, how to, if you are having disagreements with your partner, or if this is something that you want to have a conversation of, with your partner and you don't even have children yet, how to bring this up in a tactful way to talk about and negotiate what that co-parenting could look like. And not to mention, because she wrote the book, How to Be Brave, Not Perfect, I love her angle with this and, and how she talks about to release perfection, even as moms and highly functioning, highly ambitious moms. A lot of times we take it all on ourself and many of the times we can just let our you know team around us, whether it's family members, our, our spouse, for example, take on the reins so that we don't have to be completely exhausted at the end of the day. And there's just so much more. And before we get into the episode, I want to bring you aware, because I think that, you know, so many of us don't really know what the percentages are of this quote unquote, what she calls it anti-mom bias. It's one of the biggest open secrets in the workplace. And the penalty costs women an average of 15% of income per child. And it counts for much of the gender pay gap. Now for black and native American women, the motherhood wage penalty increases to 20%. And guess what guys, dads in the room, Yes, they experience zero wage penalties. So if you are somebody that leads an organization, leads a corporation, have this come as part of the next conversation in your meetings. How are you going to address that? How are you going to provide more of this flexible opportunities? And for those of you folks who don't have kids yet, to have that be part of the reality because the truth is the last two years were really, really hard for so many of us, whether you acknowledge it or not. Now we're on the other side of it, but I have so much compassion for even the team members that helped us during those really tough days. And honestly, another striking data point here is as of 2012, there were 11 wealthy countries that instituted what they call the parental or child allowance. 
And in the U.S., we don't really have that. We have the child tax credit, and that was passed in 2021, thank goodness. And the current administration is now working on making it permanent. So it's a step in the right direction. But countries like Austria, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Ireland, Luxembourg, Netherlands, Norway, Sweden, and the U.K. has had this parental or child allowance. And I say parental, not just mother, except for us in the U.S., So it's something to really think about, and it's only you that can start to change this conversation. So without further ado, let's get into the episode today. I really hope you enjoy this, and let me know what you think. I want you to hashtag pay up the book, and let me know what your thoughts are around this conversation. I will see you on the other side. Let's welcome Reshma Sujani. Reshma, welcome to the Brave Table, love. How are you? Thank you. It's good to be here. Oh my goodness. Wow. There's just so many questions that I want to ask you. And first and foremost, congratulations on your book. It is now out to pay up. Yes. It came out on Tuesday. It feels like it's been coming out for a long time, but yes, we're very excited. We had an amazing book party launch yesterday with Secretary Clinton. So it's been awesome. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Amazing. And I just, I mean, I've been following the whole, you know, the work of you just championing this martial law for women. So I just kind of want to start there and like open up our conversation. Marshall the Marshall Plan, yes. For women. <laughs> it seems like it, it, it totally seems like it should be the martial law for women. But what, what do you actually mean by that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, since the pandemic, you know, women have been crushed and in crisis. And, you know, in the pandemic, many women found themselves, you know, without affordable childcare, you know, with managers who didn't get it, with, with partners who weren't doing their part. And you saw millions and millions and millions of women get pushed out of the workforce. And now two years later, not much has changed. We are still missing millions of women from from the workforce. Daycare centers are still shut down. 51% of moms say that they're anxious and depressed. If you are a working mom in America, you feel like you're living in a bombed out city, i.e. your life. And so we are at a moment where we have to do something different. And the way in particular workplaces have been designed is that they haven't been designed for us to thrive, uh, much less survive. And now we have this opportunity to fundamentally um, redesign workplaces so they work. I was so excited for this conversation on so many levels. I mean, majority of our our listeners and folks that we have in our community, they're all working moms. And we heard from so many people. And I would share your things online because it, the struggle was so real. The last two years, so many of them had to put their work ambitions to the side because the kids were at home and this was a constant thing. And we have a really global audience, especially though for the folks in the US. So I'm so glad that you're, you created it into a book. And what I mean, what has been the reception of, of the book so far? I mean, it's been extraordinary because I think, I think moms feel seen. You know, I think moms are wanting to feel like some, it matters, that somebody cares about what's happened to them. Um, and like I said, you know, we, moms don't break. And so many moms right now feel like they're broken. And I think that they feel like they're helpless. And so, you know, part of this book pay up, it's right here. I'm going to grab it. Oh, love it. Um, yes. Yay. Yay. Yes. Um, part of this book pay up is, 
is to say you actually have leverage right now. So we're in the middle of the biggest job boom in the United States than you've ever seen. You know, 11 million jobs are open and CEOs are desperate for talent. And so we have the opportunity to say, we're going to go, we'll go back, but we're going back on these terms. We want affordable childcare. We want flexibility. We want, you know, remote working. We want to be able to, you know, have paid leave, right? Some of the basic fundamentals so that working women are not constantly having to choose between their motherhood and their job. Mm. And well, I want to point out, because you talk about four forces of change in the book, can you take us through that? Because I thought that was so powerful for any, for any woman. Yeah. So, you know, the first is about empowering ourselves. And, you know, there's so many books out there about, you know, how to, how to rest, how to take care, how to do self-care. And it, and it feels like it's almost sometimes more stressful when someone tells you like, all you have to do is meditate and you'll feel great. Right. <laughs> and so I really kind of wanted to distill what I thought that that meant. And so, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is this idea of creating tangible boundaries. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, as women, we're just generally really bad about creating boundaries because, you know, we are socialized to be people pleasers. And so we feel bad saying no, even though we don't even have a second for ourselves. And so the need to like practice creating tangible boundaries is big. So I do that in my house, you know, for Nahal and I, you know, he does nights, I do mornings. Amazing. And And you have two, you have two boys. two little babies. Yeah. Two and seven. So I'm in it. I know. I was like up at like two o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, you know, and then- (laughs) launching a book. So uh, excuse me if I'm a little like still like not 100% there. But um, so, you know, he does nights, I do mornings. And if I'm sitting around at like six o'clock watching Netflix, if I'm around, he'll be like, hey, you know, can you, you know, warm up the bottle or grab the diaper? And so I know if I'm there, I'm going to be like, fine. And then I'm going to be angry about it. And then I'm not going to get any time for myself. And resentful and And all the other feelings. And all of that stuff. And so, you know, at six o'clock, I just bounce. I leave. I make a girl's dinner. I I go have dinner by myself, which is great. Um, But I'm just out. I leave. And so that is my way of creating tangible boundaries. You know, the second piece is really about, you know, how do you educate your employers Mm. And, and, and again, this is a hard one for us because it's hard for moms to ask for what we want because we're so used to being martyrs. We're so used to breastfeeding in closets and apologizing, you know, for everything. We to take our kids to a doctor's appointment. Like, wait, exactly. Whereas, you know, other folks are not that way. And it's not just women because I think, I think childless women, young millennial women, they are so fierce in asking for what they need. But there's there, because, but we have a hard time with it. And so right now, it's really important, I think, to educate and use your leverage, your employers about what you need right now. An example of that is, you know, most moms I know are really struggling with the cost of childcare. Mm. Childcare is so expensive. Even in this moment, like, you know, babysitting rates in, the, in New York City have gone up from, you know, astronomical $20 to $25 now. Yep. And you yep. feel like you're basically working to care, for, you know, to pay someone to care for your kids. And, and so it's an economic issue. And if the business of childcare is very broken as a mm-hmm. business model, and this is why we were hoping that the government would actually do something about it. So this is the moment to turn to your employers and say, subsidize my childcare. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. whether that is not, you know, allowing me to have flexibility in remote working, whether that's actually sending me a check to pay for my care.com, you know, or whether that is, you know, building a daycare center 
you know, inside offices. But now's the time to really start talking about childcare as an economic issue. You know, you wouldn't work for an employer that didn't pay for your health care. You know, so true. Similarly, years mm-hmm. ago, healthcare became a benefit that employers paid for because it was such a huge part of the family's um, cost center. Mm. And that's what childcare is right now for, for, for folks. Um, the third thing is really about how do you change the culture? Mm. Um, you know, we need to value motherhood and we live in a culture that doesn't value motherhood. Right. You know, for most of us, when we were pregnant, we waited to the last possible moment to tell our employers, right. And there's an article about like in Zoom, right? Isn't Zoom so great? Because you can wait till you're like nine months pregnant. (laughs) It's really shameful that we live in a culture that we implicitly know as mothers that we can't say that we're even becoming mothers because Mm -hmm. we'll be discriminated against. Right, and so many people are so ashamed about it that because the whole two years were really on Zoom, you could totally hide it until the very last minute. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it's a really a, an important thing about how do you mother out loud and also mother authentically. You know, I still mm-hmm. have lots of women I respect, and you see them on Instagram, you know, and they look amazing, and they have their perfectly, you know, babies with matching outfits, and that's not the tr- that's not <laughs> that's not the majority feel. of what looks yeah what it looks like at yeah, all. It's not real, and it makes people feel bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes people because it's like, wait, what's wrong with me? Yeah. You know, why, why can't I look like that, feel like that, you know, have that? And then you think that you're doing something wrong. Right. And um, they feel so guilty. Yeah. So the shaming that happens on social media because we're not honest about our culture. And then finally, it's about advocating. You know, we have just, got, again, you know, women are in crisis, mm-hmm. you know, and we know that they're, the economic issues and the conditions of working women is... Um, it's, it's horrible, but still government had, did not pass Build Back Better, including the provisions on childcare and paid leave and the child tax credit. And, you know, they bailed out the airlines, but they're not bailing out moms. And right. that enrage us. <sighs> so yeah. how do we get, and that's the other thing about like pay up is really, and Hillary and I talked about this last night. It's like taking people through the historical frame, recognize we used to almost have childcare and then Nixon killed it. You know, why doesn't the United States have paid leave with educating people about, about these issues? So you're like, yeah, actually, no, where is my childcare? Where is my paid leave? Where is, you know, these support mechanisms? Mm. No, it's, I, I think it's, you're, you know, you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, if there hasn't been a crisis now in terms of, moms who really had to do it all. There's this quote on your Instagram that I saw that it was literally around, it was, it was, you know, the, the mom, mom doing, but you're actually talking about moms doing it all. And I'm like looking for it right now, but I just saw it the other day. And I'm like, it's so, it's so true throughout the entire pandemic. We were, we were totally at home and for the ones that I know that a lot of the, you know, the ladies listening who were in a lot of the programs trying to either build their business and really, or scale, they had to, they had to take time off because they had to really focus on family. So I feel like everything that you are, you're saying is so resonant. And I want to really unpack and spend some time because you said something so pivotal. And I think for our audience, it's, you know, it's, I don't think it's highlighted enough, but the idea of mom shaming. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that I I think because we've really never you know, I think I think in the beginning is the the way and Hillary was talking about this last night, you know, when women were never really invited into the workforce. Mm-hmm. And then when we finally got in, we knew that we had to hide being a mom. Mm-hmm. Because if we talked, if we put our pictures up of our kids, yeah. if we said we had to leave to be go, we would not get opportunities. Um, and so we learned very quickly to hide our moms. And then it feels like with the advent of social media, you know, you started seeing these mommy bloggers um, that really started almost romanticizing motherhood as if it was just kind of easy and glorious. Mm-hmm. And when you didn't... We see that a lot. Day, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you, quote, made a mistake, mm-hmm. um, you were shamed for it. Mm. And I think that is in... And in IRL, I think it's a real thing too. I mean, the amount of times I've had dinner with my kids outside in New York City with like fire, you know, fire uh, trucks going by and Sean, you know, is too loud or well, giggling or laughing. And the amount of times that people have been like literally, shh, or should, I mean, shouldn't they be in bed? I'm like, seriously? Yeah. You know, and so even now as we're working and your kids Zoom bomb, your call, you know, you get the eye roll. Mm-hmm. Or if you're, you know, my, if you, in my house, like right now, size taking a nap, but because I'm literally working in my bedroom in a New York City apartment, you are constantly hearing kids screaming, talking, laughing. It's like it is. It's the part of the day. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's like it's there, and so um, it, yeah, I think in the beginning of the pandemic, we went from shaming to to accepting, and now we've gone back to shaming. Hmm. Hello there, fam. I just wanted to take a moment to pop in and tell you all about the juicy that is happening right now at dharmacoachinginstitute.com at DCI. That's right. I am not only one of the co-founders with Sahar Rose and Ajit, but we have come together to really create an opportunity of a lifetime. And if you are one that has always been the way shower for your family, if you are the one that is diving into the advice giving of all of your friends, if you are the one that is now looking for more purpose and more more meaning in your life, and maybe you are super accomplished in your business and your professional life, but now you kind of want to go deeper. You want to have more of that spiritual awakening, that spiritual acumen under your belt. This is the opportunity for you. We have now trained close to 800 students and we are opening our doors. Our enrollment starts right now to become a DCI coach. That's right. A certified Dharma coach, a sole purpose coach, a spiritual life coach. This is the only dual certification in the world where you will be certified as a spiritual life coach and a soul purpose coach. And we are so excited because our not only Eastern philosophy and blend of Vedic principles, but also a full clear foundation of all the coaching principles. We go into human design. We go into the Dharma discovery method. We go into the Dharma blueprint. You are alongside with not only the three actually the four master coaches, as well as myself, Sahara and Ajit, but also you are fully supported with coaching calls, live interaction calls, small group practice pods. And if you're thinking, hey, I don't want to create a business out of this. I just want this for my own spiritual awakening, my own development. I need something for me. Maybe you are the one that is constantly organizing everything and you are just starting to feel depleted. 
this is also for you. We have two tracks, one for folks who want to do this for their own spiritual and personal growth. And the other track is for those who want to create this into a business, want to actually create a thriving, purposeful, meaningful career out of this. And that is a six month journey. And the last two months are solely on how to get visibility, create breakthroughs for your clients, as well as a whole slew of how to niche down, as well as making sure that you are knowing the marketing, knowing the content and everything that goes along with building a successful, abundant and booked, busy coaching practice for you. And I am so, so excited to share that we are closing the doors on April 4th. That's actually when we start classes. And for more information, you can check it out at Dharma Coaching Institute. Your next chapter awaits at dharmacoachinginstitute.com. I am beyond excited and I cannot wait to see you there. Well, and you know, the other thing that you really mentioned in in your book and what I kind of want to bring forth now is, you know, the whole idea of paternity leave and really raising advocacy around that. Can you speak to that and how... Yeah, so like, I mean, at the core of what I think we have to do differently that I write about in this book is that, you know, we have all been taught that if we just leaned in really hard mm-hmm. and girl bossed our way to the top and just worked hard, you'd get to equal. Mm-hmm. And so, so many of us were doing two and a half jobs. We were doing the job at home and the job at it's work. a lot. <clears throat> which is a lot. And so when we weren't getting to equality because we were so damn tired or exhausted or brain fried from doing this job, we thought that something was wrong with us. And so the whole model of corporate feminism was wrong. I was wrong. I was basically very much in telling my girls to like lean in real hard and you can do So it. glad you're saying that by so the way. I was yeah, it I was so wrong and I think it took covid for me to to really see it. And again, I have support. So if I'm if I'm struggling, my sisters are drowning. And so in this moment as we're trying to resist going back to the old normal, we also have to think about what is the new model of feminism that is authentic and true. And I think that that model has to put front and center, how do we conquer the inequality that's happening at home? Mm. How do we, how do we stop trying to fix the woman and fix the structure? And so that is key. And so part of fixing the structure is paid leave. So we live in a country that doesn't offer paid leave. We're the only industrialized nation that doesn't offer paid leave because I think very much in American culture and ethos is this idea that there should be a woman at home taking care of the kids. Right. And so we've never created structures, policies, support to do anything other than that. So, you know, as we are thinking about paid leave, I think it's not important just to offer paid leave, but to figure out how do we mandate it for men? Mm. Think about my own marriage. Um, you know, I had all the conversations. I didn't get married until I was 38. And I had all the, I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life. I also knew that I wanted to be a mom and that I was not going to be one of those Indian aunties. You know what I mean? That I saw, um, also work, right. but do all the childbirth and just, they never, well, they did everything. everything. They, they worked, they entertained at home. They made all the food. They put the they kids to bed. They got, they did everything. All of it. All, all of it. on their own. All yeah. on their own. And they were badass. I mean, my mother was an engineer, you know? So, 
And that, so that's exactly right. Now, I had an interesting situation. I've been thinking, I mean, my parents came here as refugees. So my okay. dad. From where? From Uganda. Okay. Um, but we're, I'm Gujarati. Right. Um, but my dad did a lot of, because they, they, didn't, they had to. So mm-hmm. I grew up very much seeing a man, like my dad ironed my clothes for school, you mm-hmm. know, cooked, you know, did the, did, if something was broken, he fixed it. If the car was out, you know, he literally in many ways ran the house. And so I was very clear about the model that I wanted and waited, you know, to, to, to find that. And so when Nahal and I have kids though, when I have our first kid, I got a lot, I took my maternity leave really, and he, he really didn't. And that's when our to-do list started shifting. And it's literally why we're in couples counseling, you know, now. And we have to say, right? Which is about who's doing what? Why aren't you doing this? Whose career? Blah, 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 blah. And so paid leave in having two, in heteronormative relationships, having two parents negotiating the work and the domestic Mm -hmm. work sets the tone for the, and I see this with other couples who have done that. Or if, you know, my friends, Lauren's a doctor, James, you know what I mean, was able to do more of, same with my sister, right? Her husband did more in the beginning. And so it changed the entire dynamic. Absolutely. And so, you know, in many ways, my sister has never felt this push and pull between her job and her kids in terms of the domestic work, you know, in Mm -hmm. terms of time, yes. So, you know, when we talk about paid leave, how are corporate policies create, how are we creating corporate policies that are encouraging men to take paid leave and really tying it to performance? You know, how are we changing culture? Like I want to, I want to do it, you know, the next Super Bowl ad with like LeBron and Snoop Dogg doing the laundry. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Changing, oh, that's a great one. Changing, sure. Changing our attitudes about changing the narrative gender does what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be a powerful Super Bowl ad for sure. <laughs> Definitely. I can totally see that. Yeah. No, I think that, you know, the, the, the core concepts that you are so championing and which is why I love seeing you just advocate so much in this way is because we've never really had somebody to advocate for us. And I want to just even speak to and bring up the fact that you're really, you know, starting this new paradigm of not just leaning in because of course you founded Girls That Code, but now bringing in and kind of like balancing this idea of yes, motherhood, that's huge and that's central. And even just speaking it out loud, we've never really had to think about restructuring anything for women in the workforce. And so what is the hope that you have for the book? I mean, I mean, I, my hope for the book is, you know, is to ignite a revolution in workplaces, you know, and to have women not feel like they have to breastfeed in closets and apologize for being a mom, you know, and, and, and to basically be able to create workplaces that value us, that, that create that support structure. And for women who don't have children, you know, to say, don't let them take your choice away from you. You know, one of the interesting things was when, you know, during the pandemic, so many of the young women who work for me who don't have kids are like, they would see me with, with signs. I'm like, ah, no, thank you. Right? Right. Uh, right away. They're like, that's not right. for me. No, yeah, not. Nah. And I would say, no, 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 no. If you don't want to have kids, that's cool. But like you choose. Don't let them choose for you. And right now, when you see a declining birth rate in the history, you know, in the past 50 years. Oh, I did not know because, that. Yeah. People are not having children at all. 
it's, it's actually a crisis. And it's, again, so much of it has to do with the fact of it's too expensive. It's too hard. There's no support. And so we've got to change that to preserve choice. I think for a lot of men, you know, it's like they spent the past few years getting to take their kids to school and to soccer class. And like, that was good for them, good for their hearts, good for their, you know, good for, good for their health. And so maintaining that is something that's important to them. But again, we live in this culture of sometimes toxic masculinity mm-hmm. that doesn't allow them. So they'd rather quit mm-hmm. uh, rather than ask for what they need. So I think what what we want for working moms is what everybody wants. And sometimes when you build the workplace for the most vulnerable, for the person who's the least supported, you end up building it for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um And so, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, pay up is in many ways, it's the opposite of every single women in workbook you've ever read. Mm. And most people, I was being interviewed by a woman yesterday. She was like, when I got your book, I'm like, ah, here we go. Another lean in. And then she doesn't have, you know, she doesn't have kids. And she opened up, she was, I was like, I freaking love this book because it was Mm. not what I expected. And it's exactly the opposite. It's the opposite of what we've been telling people. You know, what even I've been telling people. So true. Uh, Same, which is why I wanted to have you on this because it's like, it's like, we've been talking to women and young women who are so ambitious, who want to have it all, but instead they're like doing it all. And now here you are saying, well, actually we're in a different season of our lives. And obviously it only had to make sense now for you as a mom of two. And the one thing that I know that for so many of our listeners who are kind of like, all right, how do I start to have this conversation to change the narrative within my employer to educate them? And they're shy because they are people pleasers. What tips do you have to get that conversation going? Besides, of course, getting the book for sure. It's on my book. It's on my book. But look, I mean, I think the first thing is we have to start building that muscle of asking for what we need. So think about one thing Mm -hmm. in your work life that you want it again, you don't have to be a mom, like whoever think about one thing that you want in your work life that you want to advocate for and then make the practice of asking for it. And, and people are, it's a seller's market right now. I mean, the amount of salaries that people are asking for corner offices, vac- unlimited vacation time, you know, working from blah on Friday, peep it's, it is literally a seller's market. And so do that work of really saying, what, what, what do I want? And then take one step towards advocating for it. Because part of like, we spend most of our life day in work. Mm. <laughs> so work has got to, work has got to fit with life. Life doesn't have to fit with work. And so like, we've got to make sure that we are designing our workplaces. And it's not a one size fits all. That, that's the other thing. It's like people have different needs. Yeah. And we've been trying to design one workplace for everybody. And that's not working. Mm. And the other question before we kind of wrap up and get into our igniting round is for any mom right now who's like, thank God you just wrote this book because it's giving me so much strength and opportunity and potential that I can actually maybe even have this conversation with my partner, with my husband. What advice do you have for them? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's really important um, to not take, I think that, again, in the genre of, of women in workbooks, sometimes it's like, here are the, I mean, here are the ways to fix your partner. 
Like, the amount of people have asked me, like, I mean, why didn't you just marry somebody different? Mm. And it's like, no, 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 no. Don't give me another thing to do. It is Mm -hmm. not your job to fix your partner. It is your job to figure out what you need for you. And when we fix society, we do fix, quote, fix men. You know, and as we have these conversations, you know, we do that. We do actually create a different structure for our boys, for our partners, for our brothers, for like all the men in our life. So, you know, part of it is recognizing that that's not on you too. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so like for, I'll give you like small example, right? It's like so many of my girlfriends, so many girlfriends were at my event last night and they left their husbands were at home taking care of the kids. And they were like, yeah, I know I had to put the food out. It made like a list of instructions of exactly what <laughs> where to go. And I was like, don't do that. Let so you're saying not out. to do that. No, let them figure it out. That's part of the problem because that's another thing that we have to do. We're, we're mothering them yes. in, in many I mean, ways. It's like, it, mm. When I go on girls trips, it's like, every, it's like, no, like, yeah, that's, you got to have the to-do that list. Is exhausting. No, it's like, that's what's exhausting. I don't do that. I just leave now. I woke oh, wow. up. I don't, I don't even like check in. Like, are they sleeping? What? But it's taken me time, right. Mm. To, to get there. But it's his job is not my job, you mm. know, and where we get, have conflict is when that's been made clear and he's trying to call me while I'm on the beach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Being like, where's the thing? I'm like, okay. don't call me. Find it. And if not, go buy it. You know, you have to figure. So we have to stop trying to do everything. And that's why I said, you know, having it all is a euphemism for doing it all. And so we have to yeah. stop doing it all. And that's hard for us. It's hard. And it's almost like it's okay if your partner fails at taking care of the kids. But they're, they've got to te- they've got to learn somehow. And that's you taking off that responsibility for yourself and letting them just fully handle it in the way that they are going to. And what I hear you say is it's probably not going to way that you're the the way that you're doing it, but they're going to be okay. The way you're doing it, but it's fine. But it's also just like, it's part of it is like, we have to start letting people be their own people. You know, it's like, you know, I, I, my dad always, you know, my, you know, my parents, again, all of our parents were working, working parents. And I mean, they, you know, my, in my book, I talk about how, like, you know, we spend more time with our, our kids than single moms did in the 1970s. Often my father looks at me and he's like, just put them down. You know what I mean? Like, let them be like, and of course I'm intensive parenting all on top of them, blah, 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 blah. And I recognize that my parents didn't do any of that for me. They had, they were like, go outside. They didn't, have, I didn't, they didn't plan activities for me. Yep. They didn't come to my award ceremonies. They didn't know where I was applying to college. They didn't read my essay. <laughs> they, you know, I mean, they didn't like wipe my butt. Like they did nothing for me, nothing. Right, right. <laughs> and I turned out fine and I'm actually grateful. So there are moments where I have to basically pull out of what I see all my friends doing mm. and what is that the way you're supposed to be, you know, as a parent, as a partner, even as a friend, Mm. And and basically, you know, recalculate a little bit and recognize that, like, I'm actually not building resiliency in anybody because I'm, if I'm doing it all, no, no, one's, they're, no right. one's learning, you know? Right. No, it's so true. And I love that you bring, you brought that up. Resiliency is because so many people think that, okay, how can I teach my kids and partners resiliency? And 
well, you just said it right there. They're not going to learn it if we're going to continue as like overarching mom bosses to do everything. And how are they actually going to learn? We have to have a little bit of that good stress that, you know, that, that is part of the the process. So as I kind of round this out, we're going to get into a little bit of an igniting round before we let you off. And one of the things that I would love to ask is what does it mean for you to be brave? For me to be brave, um, you know, it means not being perfect, you know? Mm. Yes. Love that. Love that. And final one word that describes this season of life. Don't give up. Ooh. Three words. Amazing. Amazing. Reshma, so great. She was excited to do it. So amazing. And I can't wait to see the successes of the book. It's already out there and you guys can get the book, pay up wherever books are sold. Definitely. Where's the best place to send you questions and all of the things? Go to, go to payupbook.com or reshmasajani.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn at reshmasajani. Amazing. Reshma, thank thank you. you so much, love. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. I hope your ears are buzzing after that powerful, powerful interview and conversation. I mean, if this was something that just fired you up and lit you up and really activated you to be a change agent, to stand up for women and really give yourself a different perspective on what has happened with women and and mostly mothers in the last two years. I mean, this was such an insightful conversation. I am still buzzing about it. And I hope that for you to learn more about the Marshall Plan for Moms, I mean, so many people have now backed this petition to literally have paid or champion unpaid labor in homes for for moms. And some of the, the news outside of that is coming in supporting moms because they really helped us get out of the pandemic by taking care of our our, our little ones, the next generation. And Reshma is so keen on making this such a huge movement as she's a founder of Girls Who Code. And literally she's already had many people back this up. And so you can learn more about the Marshall Plan for Moms at marshallplanformoms.com. That's M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L, Plan for Moms. And you can go ahead and sign up to support it there. Learn about her book, Pay Up, which is out now. And literally she's been on every single news outlet talking about this because she's such a big, huge activist and advocate for this. And you can learn more about her book and get her book wherever books are sold, but you can go directly to Pay Up, P-A-Y, Up, U-P, Book, B-O-O-K, dot com, or Reshma Sujani. You can follow her on Twitter and LinkedIn at Reshma Sujani. That is spelled R-E-S-H-M-A-S-A-U-J-A-N-I. And if you love this episode, if you were like, wow, I need to share this with as many people as possible, I hope this had you think of how we can have more empathy and compassion for the moms in our life. Maybe your neighbor, friends that you probably didn't get to talk to for two years and you were like, wait, what were they doing for the last few years? Or they've been a little distant. Maybe they had small children. Maybe they had to put certain things aside. And you know, I hope this brings up some of even the, the mental health chatter that we were talking about in this episode. Share this 
conversation with them. See what they think. Maybe this sparks a different conversation. Maybe even it's just, I see you, I hear you, man. The last few years had to have been rough. And here's what's happening. There's somebody actually doing something about this. Raise this up to your the, the powers that be in your organization, in your businesses. Maybe you are the power that can shift things for the workers, the moms in your work environment. Maybe you can have that conversation and it will start with this book, Pay Up, Get It for those that are the conversation makers, the change agents in your community. And also, if you love this episode, I would love for you to give us a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify. It helps us really, truly grow the community and keep this conversation about being brave alive. And as my very special gift for you, I am only giving this to folks who can submit that review and you'll be rewarded with my seven-day mini emotional mastery course that will be delivered to your inbox once you upload the review at support at globalgrit.co. That is support at globalgrit.co. Have an amazing day, everybody, and I will see you soon. Until next time on The Brave Table. Table.